Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just a Position, the podcast where we explore mental health, vulnerability, and life journeys and experiences that we all have with some of your favorite creators. And today we have on a really special guest whom I had the pleasure, actually, of hanging out with you about two or three months ago. I would say that, you know, you are the facialist queen. (laughs) You know how to give such good facials and she was able to do a whole (laughs) facial for me. I posted about it on my Instagram story, but everyone welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And it was very fun to hang out in (laughs) Miami and then in New York. Yeah, we were able to be at a CEO summit together in Miami, which is where we first met. And then um, Alicia was super gracious to invite me into your New York office um, in order to give a lovely facial. And you're most known for, I would say, um, and how people would probably connect the dots if anyone doesn't know who you are, uh, you are the founder of Peach and Lily. Yes. Yep. Claim to fame. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so funny because Peach and Lily as a business is now 10 years old. Wow. And, you know, 10 years ago for sure, when I mentioned Peach and Lily, it was definitely a lot of explanation. So it's just very rewarding 10 years later that people are like, yes, I know Peach and Lily. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, your brand has made such a big impact in the skincare space, like particularly like the glass skin serum, um, as well as just the amount of really innovative um, Korean inspired just incredible formulas uh, that you've been able to create and just the quality and attentiveness to detail that you have in each of your products and overall brand philosophy is, I think, really cool. And it's so cool just to see Peach and Lily exploding in virality and popularity. I see I see your products on um, on TikTok blowing up so often. It's, it's super cool to see. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we started off as a Korean beauty emporium and we still have you know korean beauty products on our website but yeah the brand itself peach and lily the product line is you know launched in 2018 so it's been an adventure you know yeah. over the last four years i bet i bet talk about like reeling and i do want to ask you some questions about like what that journey was like you've been able to tell me in the past a little bit about it and i want to deep dive into that because i think you have such a good perspective on what the challenges of, you know, being an entrepreneur, launching a business um, while, you know, maintaining a personal life um, and just good perspective on that overall that I want to dive into. But before we get into any of that, I want to ask first, because I ask (laughs) all the guests who come on the podcast, what is the first worst thing that you have done to your skin? And second, what does your skincare routine look like now? So this is a very cringe, cringe, worst thing, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I have severe eczema and, you know, it's not something I can cure myself of, but I can definitely help, you know, manage the flare ups now that I've learned how to take care of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was growing up, I had very visible rashes, flaky skin, mm-hmm. itchy skin, like the whole nine yards, um, head to toe. And it would just be popping up, you know, whenever, <sighs> wherever. Yeah. And at one point I thought to myself, it wasn't the type of rash where it was actually, you know, bleeding, but it was very, very flaky. And Mm -hmm. it was sort of like a little bit of the aftermath of the flare up. And I was so eager for all the flakes to go away. 
that I did a peel <gasps> on that oh, really? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the very hard way, you know, what it means to over exfoliate. Um, and you know, you definitely don't want to do that yeah. on the aftermath of a flare up. So that was definitely not good results there. Yeah. I bet that would be like really painful because like, uh, eczema, you, you know, in and of itself is already like, uh, usually comes along with like pain or discomfort. So doing a really harsh treatment like that on that flare up area would be, oh, that would be brutal. (laughs) And like my esthetician self today, I look back on that and I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I know. You're like, what are you doing? I know there's so many moments like of things that I did in the past skincare horror stories where I wish I could just like grab myself and shake me and just be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. I mean, you've come so far since then though, because now you are a highly trained esthetician, um, you know, in addition, of course, to the knowledge that you have around developing your own formulas. So with that, I'm interested to know like what your current skincare routine looks like. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's skincare routine is so unique to their own skin. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, I have a few needs. My because I have eczema, my skin barrier needs a lot of support. I have to be very gentle with my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, I'm in my 40s and I have a young baby, mm-hmm. and you know, my skin is definitely going through the ringer a bit, and mm-hmm. so I need a lot of support. Yeah. So my skincare routine, there's a lot of bells and whistles, but you know, for me, it's working. So okay. I love double cleansing. So I do the. Um, peach and lily ginger melt oil cleanser because it gets everything off without any residue. Um, I, I love the power calm hydrating gel cleanser for mm-hmm. both morning and evening. Um, peach slices, which is our sister brand has a smell rescue toner. Um, oh, and okay. I love that toner because I get like random little breakouts here and there oh, okay. depending on the time of the month, but my skin is still, you know, very sensitive and dry. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then for me, I am a big essence person. Okay. Essence nice. is like life for my skin. Um, so I love that plump it up with hydration step first. So mm-hmm. I do the wild dew essence. Um, and my holy grail that I use every day, morning and evening is the glass skin refining serum. Yes. Um, and I just like that, you know, it has like 2% niacinamide, mm-hmm. not too much. So because it can be a little irritating sometimes if it's mm-hmm. too much. And then I love that it has, you know, hyaluronic acid, a Sika active in there, you know, like peptides, a lot of good things, but it's gentle. Mm-hmm. And then in the evenings, I am obsessed with your Mandelic Acid and Rice Bran Serum. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. I use that. I love that, you know, it is very effective, but it's gentle, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, I my skin reacts to everything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, your products in general are beautiful, but... Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I've been really loving because of, you know, just that in between when you need that skin polishing, Mm -hmm. but it's not, you know, something that, you know, I do my kind of uh, deep dive chemical resurfacing, Mm -hmm. but in between, I still need a little support without being too much on my skin. A little exfoliation. So I, I, exactly. Um, And by the way, I just love that your brand is so dedicated to making the planet better. I mean, it's so integrated as a part of your brand. And I've told you this mm-hmm. before too, like yeah, it really is awesome you. to see. And it's just so 
integrated. It's not an afterthought. So thank you so much. Seriously, like hats off to you because that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> thank you. And, I mean, hats off you know. to you as well. Making making change. It's awesome to see. Thank you. <laughs> Um, of course. And then I like the pure peach retinoic eye cream because mm, yes. it is not traditional retinol. Mm-hmm. It's just gentle um, retinoic acid naturally found in rosehip uh, seed oil and bakuchiol and mm-hmm. then beta carotene rich fruit extracts. And yep. then um, there's a Korean brand called Lagom, L-A-G-O-M. Yes. L-A-G-O-M. Um, they have a sensitive Sika moisturizer and oh, i've been know. i've been really loving that okay. yeah it's I mean, one of the I'm newer Sika fan. like anything with anytime i see a product that has Sika in it i'm just like Ooh, what is this i'm obsessed me too in fact our snail rescue line we actually combined the two korean beauty superstar ingredients snail mucin and Sika, ah, okay. and that's kind of like a unique combination yeah, so i'm cool. right there with you on the Sika. <laughs> <laughs> um And then, you know, in the daytime, I really go between a lot of different sun creams. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to use a lot more mineral sunscreens. Yep, same. Um, I do, yeah, I like the Skin Medica one. Mm -hmm. Um, The new Summer Fridays one, I also really like I just barely bought that that one. I haven't tried it yet, but I've heard really good reviews about it. I'm I'm stoked to try it. You you love it. Yeah, I just tried it for the first time a week ago and I was like, Oh, this is great. Like this is, you know, very minimal white cast and I can Mm -hmm. reapply pretty easily. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do that. And then of course, you know, if I'm having like a bigger beach day out, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's the whole nine yards, like hat. I I mean, I'm (laughs) that person on the beach. (laughs) You're the one that just appears in the cloak, just like floating across the beach with absolutely no, (laughs) honestly, that's so good because a lot of people forget that like, you know, protecting yourself from the sun is more than just applying like an SPF 50 sunscreen. It's about being in the shade, wearing hats, sunglasses, you know, whatever it may be, clothing that, you know, covers a lot of you. So props to you for that. Um, You know, that's the most important part, I'd say, when it comes to sun protection is all aspects of it, not just sunscreen. But that's like a really comprehensive routine. I love it. I love all the different active ingredients that you use. Um, I mean, you touching on like retinoic acid and stuff, like I could geek out over ingredients like that. Um, It's super cool. And um, I love the focus on sensitivity because I personally relate to that, not only as someone who has struggled with sensitive skin, but a lot of my audience um, has sensitive skin and is very conscious of ingredients and, you know, uh, actives and effectiveness and making sure that, you know, formulas are accessible. So that's one thing I love about Peach and Lily um, and why I was so impressed, particularly when I discovered the glass skin serum, because I was like, okay, this, this product that's going viral online, let's see, you know, I'm always skeptical when it comes to like products that go viral. And when I looked at the ingredient list, I was like, wow, this is fully, fully loaded with really good ingredients that are still accessible for sensitive skin. So yeah, it's, it's great. If you guys haven't tried it yet, I highly recommend checking uh. it out. It's a great product. Oh, I'm so glad you think so. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Well, to dive into the questions, I want to first touch on your background and experience um, going through intense training as an esthetician, because you were telling me um, last time we were together about just the rigorous, you know, education and training that you went through um, in order to become, you know, licensed. And I'd, I'd love First, for you to kind of like share what that was like and how it kind of helped prepare you for the future and, you know, inevitably launching your own brand. 
Yeah. Well, first, I definitely want to say in the exciting world of skincare, you know, I think it's so important to be humble, to know that there's always something to learn because mm-hmm. there's always like new studies being done, new ingredients coming out and new techniques and new devices. So, you know, I think for me, I know this sounds like very, like a little bit cheesy, but I really just find that I have to be a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. like truly, truly. Um, and I think, you know, the license is one thing, but I think the ongoing education mm-hmm. is really important. So, you know, for sure, you know, to be a New York licensed esthetician, you know, there's your standard kind of schooling that you have to do. Mm-hmm. There's 600 hours, the hands-on, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also, I went to skin school in Korea, and then I was also certified by the top spa in Korea. And that spa, Shane Pri, um, they're very interesting. At that time, the spa director who was kind of leading my program, she is the esthetician who creates the licensure exam in Korea. Mm-hmm. And she is a PhD in cell biology. She wow. just is a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, and yeah, so there was just like a lot of material to, to study. But on top mm-hmm. of that, the actual shrink-free estheticians, they have this like interesting protocol where they were sharing with me that even if you're a very seasoned esthetician, when you go to Shangpri um, for three years, you're paid full time, but you actually aren't practicing until you're absorbing everything the Shangpri way. Um, mm-hmm. And so the actual hands-on certification process was extremely particular, like down to how you're handling even facial sponges, like not like sanitation, like hygiene wise, but like how you're flipping it in your fingers and how seamless it is oh, on the goodness. client. Like, wow. It's yeah. yeah. That's so <laughs> yeah. So there's like ongoing things like that. But I also think that as an esthetician, there's a few different areas that you really want to be on top of. One is You know, in school, yes, you learn about ingredients at kind of a basic level, but with skincare ingredients, I think it's so important to stay on top of like the clinical studies that are coming out, um, the new ingredients that are coming out. So all that research and ongoing research, like that's a lot of reading and and things that I'm doing. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the clinical research is a little bit trickier and I actually Mm -hmm. have to ask our, you know, chemists or labs or different scientists, like what's the actual implication of this? Mm -hmm. But also for the last 20 years, I've been keeping this very analog and now I've kind of digitized it. um, Personal record of patterns I see. So Mm. for example, let's say that there are seven products I've run into that just everybody says it's very calming. And that's also Mm -hmm. my experience and things, you know, when I do facials, like people are seeing those results, but they're not positioned as calming products. What ingredients are together in those formulas that's mm-hmm. giving that benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's this ongoing curiosity and really understanding like the practical application because clinical research is precious gems, but there's not enough of it. Yeah, no, so you really need, so need to more. kind of, <laughs> we need so much more. Yeah. The second piece is as a, as a facialist, your hands-on experience is really important because there's the theory of what it's like how skin might react to something. And there is the actual hands-on technique that you're really staying on top of. And over the years, I've really developed my own techniques on, and I really specialize in sensitive skin, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody with acne that flares up really easily or very um, kind of delicate skin because they have kind of 
very photo aged skin or different things like eczema, etc. And so how do you handle skin? That's something you have to really stay on top of. And then finally, I think, you know, the really researching how labs work because you want to understand how products are made and how they actually work. So whenever I go back to Korea and before the pandemic, it was really like once every couple months minimum, Mm -hmm. um, meeting with all the labs and seeing like the labs that specialize in cleansers, Mm -hmm. the labs that specialize in treatments, um, the chemists that are really good at emollient type products and just staying on top of that. And so, In short, I think, you know, again, I always just take the perspective that you just have to stay really on top of it. And the minute you think like, I know it all, like I think as a professional, you know, you start to decline. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's been 20 years now where this has just been my universe. That's so amazing. I love your relentless pursuit of education because I think that's, that's the most incredible aspect of the skincare world. The whole reason I became interested in it in the first place, because there's just constant new research and new studies that are coming out, you know, um, you know, so many new developments to ingredients and, you know, data that's found or benefits that are found when you mix two ingredients together and like all the, you know, chemistry behind it. There's just so much to learn. And I think, you know, as an esthetician that I'm sure is so valuable to be able to best help your clients, but it's also just inspiring to see that for you, it's, it wasn't just a one and done certification. I'm good to go. got licensed. This is all I need. Like you have really continued to grow and apply all of your learnings into your practice as well as your brand um, too, which is, is awesome. Like that, that's, one of the things like we connected on before, just like geeking out about all of the, you know, back end stuff when it comes to I know. developments <laughs> and, you know, the science behind it, it's, it's fascinating. And I wanted to ask like, as a brand founder and esthetician, knowing, you know, the, the front end, working with clients, um, the ingredient knowledge, the, the back end from a production standpoint, manufacturing labs, as well as, you know, a good understanding of the chemistry behind all of it. What are some, changes you think that the industry could make um, in order, well, I guess just for anything, like in order to improve, to be more accessible um, from a technology perspective, like what do you think the are some of the changes that the industry should make? Yeah, I mean, I think top of mind, one thing specifically in the U.S. that I would love to see is a bit more regulation around the manufacturing process mm. because okay. it's actually not a legal requirement for manufacturers to follow good manufacturing practices. Mm -hmm. And so in our search for the right partners and so forth, like, I mean, we have come across some standards that really wouldn't fly with a lot of consumers Mm -hmm. if they were aware of, you know, I think, you know, just even the way that certain ingredients are stored or the consistency of quality Mm -hmm. or documentation. Um, and, And ultimately, you know, in the end, it's not just the ingredients, but it's the quality mm-hmm. of the formula and the consistency and all the different testing that goes into it that is so important, mm-hmm. both for efficacy and safe use of that product. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I would love to see be a bit more regulated mm-hmm. um, because that manufacturing process is really, really important. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like in a restaurant, right? Like Mm -hmm. you want to know that the kitchen is like 
following certain standards. Yeah, that they're sanitary, right? that there's a, there's a process and there's, you know, rules about what can and can't be done. I am really glad you touched on that because that you're right. That is something that a lot of consumers don't know. And even in my learnings, you know, being able to partner, um, you know, with labs and kind of see that process and get an understanding, it was shocking to me how commonplace it is that, you know, the sanitation, um, sanitation guidelines not being followed, like you were saying, the way it's being stored and kind of the way that certain manufacturers will cut corners really big corners when it comes to not only how they store the ingredients, but um, the quality of them, how they use them in the actual formulas and how to kind of preserve the amount that they have in a way that is not the most sanitary or could pose a lot of risks to consumers who use those products. There's just a lot of things at play that I agree with you are not properly regulated. And I think just when with the cosmetic manufacturing industry as a whole, there's a lot of like smoke and mirrors kind of when it comes to the back end process. That was one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, really be meticulous in building selfless and having an understanding of like everything that was going on behind the scenes as much as I could. Um, because there is so little known from a consumer facing side. And so I agree with you. I think more regulation right. definitely needs to come about. Yeah, and it definitely shows in your products because the consistency and because you know I've been I've been using some of your products and Thank I think you. that's like one thing that consumers can see mm -hmm. that is there that consistency, um, is there that stability and all of that good stuff mm -hmm. and for sure there are amazing labs out there but there mm -hmm. are definitely ones that and I think from like you know for in, any brand founders I think that you can feel very empowered to go to your labs to be like, I actually want to understand mm -hmm. your procedures and policies and like push for that change or find a different one. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that's where there's going to, there's going to be change. Yeah. And the other thing I would love to see that I think we are starting to see more of is definitely, I think more innovation when it comes to sustainable packaging. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. brands only have the options that are out there. Yeah. And, you know, as, as more interesting options come out there, like, you know, packaging that's actually truly compostable, but, you know, really is a, a decent footprint to even create. Like, mm -hmm. there's just innovation that's happening. And I think it's going to be exciting as we see more of that. But I would love to see that, like, more and more. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that. There's such limited options available and a lot of the options available aren't accessible to smaller scale brands um, a lot of the time. So it makes it really difficult for new brands who want to kind of like set a new standard or expectation of sustainability when it comes to their packaging to really get their footing. And it's it's really challenging. Um, I, I know you know Leah Yu. If you guys you know, know Leah Yu, the founder of Crave Beauty, she's done a really incredible job of documenting on her Instagram yeah. as well as YouTube the challenges around finding sustainable packaging and how difficult it is as a brand. Um, but I think, like you said, the encouraging thing is that there's a lot of positive moves and steps that are being made in the direction of more sustainable packaging options. And I think the future is bright when it comes to that. So I'm, I'm stoked like you to see kind of where, where that is heading. Another thing I wanted to ask you kind of in line with like what your thoughts are on the industry, um, because I have, you know, this amazing opportunity to sit with you. You know, I, I don't know 
uh, I don't know if I know any estheticians who have gone through as intense training as you. And so I feel like you have such a valuable perspective when it comes to this. There's a lot of um, discourse online about, you know, uh, skepticism of skinfluencers and people talking about skincare education and ingredient knowledge um, who aren't licensed estheticians or dermatologists. And for you as an esthetician, I'd love to know, like, what your opinion is on skincare information being so democratized and um, easily accessible online by people who aren't professionals? Yeah, it's been interesting. So I think I'll start with the benefit and Mm -hmm. then I'll start with like where I think, you know, people who are following skincare influencers could do a little bit more. Like I think there's a lot of onus on individuals Mm -hmm. to kind of filter through information So the benefit is, as I've been kind of looking over the last 20 years and the last 10 years, I mean, the amount of education that people now have on skincare is like zero to like 100, right? Which is awesome, right? We were getting, even 10 years ago, our business, because from day one, we've always had this service where anyone can email hello at peachandlily.com and licensed estheticians are answering those questions. And Mm -hmm. When I go through historically and see those questions, I mean, we were getting questions like, what is a toner? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I need to really, you know, um, use an SPF or what's the difference between a serum and a cream? Like Mm -hmm. very, very, you know, questions that maybe a lot of people just like know Mm -hmm. just right away these days. And I really think that's like the evolution of social media, but also these um, skincare influencers. So I think the benefit is that, you know, people are just by being on social media and just being interested in skincare, learning so much and learning, wait, I didn't even know to ask that question. So that's, Mm -hmm. I think a really positive thing as people are becoming more empowered about their own skincare. Of course, the flip side of that is we get so many questions where people are like, I'm really confused because I follow (laughs) these like influencers Mm -hmm. and literally people are saying opposite things Mm -hmm. on what I should be doing. Um, and so I think that, you know, it is something from a consumer standpoint or just like a, you know, a skincare user to just really take that information and, um, really follow up with somebody who, if, if, if that's information that is very important to you, mm-hmm. if that's going to really impact your skin, right. Um, really look into that. Um, and I'm not talking about information, like what people thought about a product, but mm-hmm. really like the technicalities of how you might approach skin. Yeah. Um, that like, and also just the histology of skin and how it all, all that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think People can definitely lean on brands even because brands um, will have had to do a lot of research, like yeah. like brands that really are able to speak to those things. Um, if people have questions like, wait, I'm not really sure if it's this or that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think brands do have a little bit more onus to like not answer those questions in such a like glib way mm-hmm. or to do a bit more research or they might have more resources to like ask chemists and yeah, so forth. Absolutely. So that could be another good resource, but I would say for influencers, definitely, you know, I would, you know, encourage influencers to, um, you know, lean on resources and, you know, hearing it from another influencer or reading it on Google, like those aren't necessarily res- yep. resources. And it is, I also feel 
feel it for influencers because it is confusing, right? You want to do a really great thing for your audience. You want to share, but you're also like, I, I swear that's what I learned. And, you know, and sometimes it's because there is no objective truth. It's actually sometimes a very nuanced conversation or, uh, whether or not you can use this ingredient or not, it actually depends on the formula. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it may be part of the truth and not the whole truth. So, it's a confusing landscape, but on the whole, I do think it's good that people are just trying to push the conversation along and, and, and push education along. But I, I will say just to, if that information is going to really impact your skin, mm-hmm. just to make sure you vet that for yourself as a skincare user. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good perspective. I love that approach because, you know, I, I would say I, agree with you that I love that there's so much information out there, you know, like in, in my personal experience, you know, having 11 year olds coming up to me and talking about glycolic acid and niacinamide and barrier repair and stuff. It's just incredible because wow. even just the five, 10 years ago, that was just non-existent. And so it's cool to see that skincare information has become so accessible, but you talking about, you know, vetting the important information when it comes to your skin, I think is really critical. Um, and I think, what should be celebrated is always, you know, double, triple, quadruple checking the information that you hear about an ingredient or about a product or a recommendation for like a skin concern. Just, you know, diversify your information sources and really, you know, um, make sure that you're also getting the input of an esthetician, of a dermatologist. That's one thing I love about the state of skincare social media right now. There's so many dermatologists, um, you know, and estheticians who are now making content and that content has just become so accessible to the everyday consumer. Whereas in the past you would have had to pay to go into an office, um, to, you know, to have a facial in order to ask those questions. And so I think, you know, now more than ever, it's really easy for people online to be able to double check the information that they're getting. And also another thing I'll add to is, you know, understanding the difference between, you know, data and opinion, Um, understanding what the data Mm -hmm. is around a certain ingredient, around a certain skin concern, um, but also being able to distinguish the opinion from that um, so that the two don't become confused. Because I think that's where a lot of confusion can come when you hear one person saying, don't use this ingredient if you have this skin type or if you have this skin concern and then another person saying the complete opposite. It's, it's, you know, I honestly feel bad for people online because I'm like, Oh, I get confused all the time. So I can't even imagine, (laughs) (laughs) imagine what it's like to be watching this type of content, you know? Right. And then, of course, there's like your unique skin and mm-hmm. how you might react to yeah. certain things. So, you know, I think it's all about the bottom line is it's just I kind of think it's analogous to nutrition. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much information, but in general, that's a good thing as long as you're empowering yourself to tailor it to you. Mm-hmm. And then the pieces that are very important, you know, double checking that like when mm-hmm. I was pregnant there were certain things that I was like, wait, I should definitely check with my OBGYN on if I could eat this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love that. You know, it's such a gray area, even for people, you know, professionals within the industry, there's just so much gray area. And at the end of the day, everyone's skin is different. So it's about finding what really works well with your skin. I think while being aware of the full context of the ingredients 
um, you know, the products and the skin concerns that you're trying to treat, just so you're best empowered to be able to, you know, focus on whatever you're wanting to focus on. And I also want to touch on, so I personally have found a lot of inspiration from your story um, as a fellow skincare brand founder, um, because you have been through a lot of challenges in the 10 years that you've been, you know, working on, on the company, um, let alone your esthetician background as well. Um, and I wanted to ask, like, what was it like building your company and what are some of the challenges, you know, that you faced along the way and that you had to overcome in order, you know, to get to this point? Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So many, so many challenges. I'm going to start with the highlight just so that people, you know, I, I want this to be like encouraging for people who want to start something. So yeah, 10 years later, here we are. Peach and Lily is a top 10 Ulta beauty brand. Peach Slices is also a top 10 Ulta beauty oh, brand. And Peach Slices has a, the Acne Spot Dots is the mm. highest by volume sales in the biggest drugstore in America in really? the Blumish Solution area. Wow. Okay. I start with this because... <laughs> <laughs> This is something that I never, you know, would have expected or dreamed to have happened. And I start with this because I want to encourage people that even at the worst of times when it just all seems like it's going to fall apart, that isn't necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And there's always a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and you can make it through. As an example, um, you know, the first two years of the business was incredibly rough. Like, I mean, I just went into it with just a ton of passion. I wanted to bring Korean skincare to the U.S. market. And, you know, I wasn't taking a salary for two years. I went from a cushy consulting job to mm-hmm. not having a salary, not having an office. My apartment was my office. I mm-hmm. think at one point I had like $7 to my name, plus like wow. a lot of student loans that I had just put on hold. Oof. I remember I was debating like, do I have pizza today or do I like ride the subway Mm -hmm. today or just walk? Mm -hmm. Um, I was packing out of my apartment, like delivering things to customers in New York to save on postage. Like it was really rough. And I, you know, we finally got an office when every single piece of my apartment had turned into storage, including my tub. And I started to (laughs) have to take like sponge baths, like from the sink. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The dedication. (laughs) And, you know, just, I mean, challenges like expensive shipments getting wrecked or lost at sea. Like, literally, I'm like, is that happening to, um, you know, just something unexpected happening? Or, you know, I really wanted to curate, like, the best Korean beauty brands. And I had no website. I had no customers. And beauty brands didn't want to work with us. Mm -hmm. And I went to Korea thinking I would just be out there for a month to kind of curate brands. I was there for six months Mm. and I was like, I can't even launch the business because brands don't want to work with us because the quality brands are so careful about who they work with. And those were the ones I really wanted to work with. I didn't want to compromise. And, um, you know, that took a long time. And one of the brands be the skin that I really wanted to work with. They interviewed me for six months, like skincare questions, like the whole nine yards. And they finally said, okay, um, after six months and because the industry knew that they were so specific about their quality, 
not compromising there led to all these other brands I wanted to work with, Mm -hmm. wanting to work with us. But I share all that because there are going to be just so, I mean, I feel like my role as CEO is really just chief, like firefighting officer. Like it's just like, you know, yeah, I'm like, okay, let's handle that supply chain crisis that everyone is going through right now. Like, yes. Of course, you know, I have like a amazing, brilliant team, um, but, you know, it's still, it's not glamorous work, but ultimately I think that if you build something because you had a passion for it, that passion leads you to have a vision and the vision is going to switch every now and again, right? You might be like, I have a vision for how it must go in this retail partnership. I have a vision for how we want to build um, you know, things with our community, but the passion always leads to a very clear vision. And I always find that when you have that vision, that's your North star. And when you just, I know it sounds like a little bit like a Hallmark card, but truly I feel like (laughs) when you believe in yourself, because people who accomplish great things, they're just people like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really is you have that in you too. Like you have that in you, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. you have that ability to march towards your vision and get it done. And you don't need a business degree. You don't yes. need a college degree. You need grit and common sense and a lot of tenacity and that passion and vision. And you can do it. I, I promise you because I, I, it was just many, many challenges and the challenges don't stop. Mm-hmm. But with that, you can always find a way and things are never the end of the world. Like very rarely are you going to make business decisions that like are just like the end all be all of your business. Mm-hmm. You, if it's not the right decision, you will always find a way to be able to pivot that, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can turn the corner, you can see, Oh, okay, this isn't working out. Then you can pivot. You know, you're never going, doing these huge things very rarely where that's like the one big shot. So don't, you know, don't fear too much, believe in yourself and just go for it. And, and I really believe it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So it's not for everyone. You have to want it. You have to have the passion, but you know, you can do it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh. Everything. (laughs) Yes. To what you just said. Yeah. I love that you talked about, you know, believing in yourself because it is such like a cliche thing. And I've, I was always the person that was just like, oh, you know, when people say believe in yourself, so mushy. So it's just, you know, just a phrase. Um, But it really does make such a huge impact, whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, starting your own business or in any capacity of life, like whatever you're pursuing. Um, And like a personal example I have was, you know, I had started my YouTube channel. I'd started putting time into it. Um, I, you know, I think I was at maybe like 3,000 subscribers at the time and putting a lot of work into it and just not really having any certainty or any, you know, belief in myself in the process. And I was able to meet a YouTuber. Her name is Azzy. I think she has like over 10 million subscribers on YouTube, I believe. Um, Really sweet um, girl. She reached out to me and she told me she was like, you are going to grow on social media so much. I really believe in you. You have so much potential. Don't stop. Oh my, I just got chills. Yeah, it was <laughs> so cool. Like just little old me, she was telling me that. And that was the critical turning point where I started to believe in myself, where I started to view my own content and be like, wow, I, I really you know, think I can do this. I think I can make it happen. And that single turning point from then on was just the beginning of just you know, the, 
this incredible journey. And so that was such an important lesson for me. And I think for anyone, no matter what you're pursuing, if you're an athlete, you know, entrepreneur, um, esthetician, you know, uh, wanting to become a dermatologist, whatever it may be, like, if you're wanting to make a big impact, um, you know, and really create a dream future for yourself, you have to cross that point of really believing that you can do it. And once you're able to, you know, unlock that mental capability, in my experience, like that's when just so much positivity happens. So I'm really glad you touched on that because I think that's an important lesson everyone should learn. I just have chills and what an inspiration. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that because I do think that, you know, yeah, you're like one of the most incredible content creators, but it's amazing for people to know that you also had a start. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, oh, like yeah. it wasn't like it just happened, you know, and, and I love that. Like, that's so inspiring. Yeah. That, as that's well awesome. as your story. Thank you. I mean, yeah, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. Everyone has to start at a point where you are just, you know, crazy, passionate, obsessed um, with something. No one believes in you. You know, you have to do it all on your own. Like everyone has to start at that point. It's about that, you know, stamina and keeping that energy and keeping that focus. And and I think it's really cool hearing your specific, you know, experiences. I didn't know about, you know, like having to the, the sponge bath and the pizza and, you know, like all the experiences <laughs> that you had to go through. Like that is really intense, but it's admirable because it shows your dedication and your real belief in it. And to see like how significantly that has paid off in the long run and the impact that it's been able to make on so many people's skin. What, what is it, you know, like kind of at this moment, being able to stand back and see everything that has happened, knowing that, you know, that was how it was for so long, all of those challenges that you experienced. I, I bet it's a weird feeling to stand back and watch everything happen now. Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to be better about celebrating mm-hmm. because I do think I'm still very much in the, you know, like just in the day to day and really still very, you know, like, okay, like we have to work on this and, you know, and mm-hmm. I am trying to learn to be better about, um, pausing and stepping back and celebrating and being like, wow, like let's look back and let's celebrate that, you know, um, so that's something that I, I honestly, I'm learning to do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because I think, you know, only now we're starting to get these, you know, questions like, okay, so you guys are like a top 10 brand, like you guys have made it. And I don't necessarily feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if you can relate. like, I yeah, still absolutely. feel like, oh my gosh, like we still have such a long way to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, on the one hand, I want to be better about looking back and celebrating and mm-hmm. being very present and soaking in all of the the joy that comes with this opportunity that I get to kind of be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I do really want to, I guess, in a healthy way, um, celebrate that there is no real end destination in life, mm-hmm. you know? It really is the journey. Yeah, and there the is journey. something... Yeah, there is something really awesome about feeling like there's still a long way to go because you're still in motion. You're still on that journey and you're still growing as a person, as a business, as a team. And that's something to celebrate, too. So, you know, I think it's just trying to have a balance of of that and, and have that healthy perspective on it and 
I think that helps me manage not feeling stressed and, mm-hmm. and all of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that balance you're talking about of still being committed to improvement and learning and growth and change while also being able to look back on the accomplishments that you've been able to make and the difference you've been able to make is really important. And I I can personally relate in, you know, feeling the difficulty of stepping away from just the chaos of the moment and being like, oh, we, I have to keep going, going, going and, you know, like improvement. And, And I think that's one of the benefits to being like having that lifelong learning perspective where uh, you just like always want to just keep learning and growing and improving. Um, but for me, I do have to remind myself as well to like step back and just be like, okay, well, let's just take a second and look at what's been accomplished and look what's, at what's been able to happen and gain perspective that whatever challenge you're going through in the moment, whatever, you know, difficulty you're experiencing or those moments where you're just like, oh my gosh, everything's crashing down, you know, uh, what's going to happen? It is good to look back, I think, um, as a business owner, but also as anyone in life, kind of with whatever you're doing and give yourself a little pat on the back moment because, you know, you deserve it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you share such good words of wisdom in in that respect. And your life experiences have really, I think, from from my conversations with you and this conversation now, it's really evident, uh, you know, how much wisdom you really have um, when it comes to so many different aspects of life, whether it be skincare, but also just, you know, in general life experiences. And it really means a lot that you would come onto the podcast and like talk about that openly and vulnerably, um, because I know it really does inspire me. And I know anyone else who's watching would also be really inspired by your story and, uh, you know, the resounding message that I get from hearing about your personal experiences is to not give up, to keep going, to be open to change, be a lifelong learner and, you know, you didn't say this, but it's evident with, you know, everything that you emulate, always, you know, be positive, always be positive. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for that kind note. That's awesome. Yeah, and, course. you know, I, I just have to say, for those of you guys who have not had the privilege of meeting Hiram in person, I just have to say he is just like a ray <laughs> of sunshine He's- and warmth. And I just feel like, so happy that we got to to hang out. Thank you. I feel so happy that we got to meet. <laughs> I'm so grateful to call you a friend. And thank you again for coming on and gracing everyone with, you know, your knowledge. Um, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? So our brand is just Peach and Lily on social media. And our sister brand is Peach Slices. And I'm Alicia Yoon, 212 on Instagram. And I think on TikTok, awesome. which is like not really quite a channel for me at the moment, but I'm trying. It's just no Alicia Yoon, I believe. Awesome. Everyone, go make sure you follow her. Try out Peach and Lily products. They're incredible. And thank you to everyone who has watched this episode. Be sure and subscribe to the Justice Position YouTube channel. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio, available for free now wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Love you. Love you.